Welcome to Average Joe Meets the UK's Everyday Entrepreneurs, where we talk to all kinds of business owners across the country about how they got started and what it's really like to run their business, so that we can learn and be inspired to start something of our own. Hello. Throughout their 20s and early 30s, cousins Victoria and Rachel were pursuing their careers, coincidentally, both in sports marketing. But whenever they got together at Christmas and family gatherings, they were always talking about how one day they wanted to work together and run their own thing. And that one day came and an opportunity presented itself. They now run Teak Unique, a UK supplier of the finest grade teak outdoor furniture that they sustainably source from Indonesia. You can view their range and buy online at teakunique.co.uk and they have a showroom by appointment near Midhurst in West Sussex. This is the story about how that opportunity came about, the steps the cousins took to act upon it, and then what running a premium furniture business is all about. From the supply, import and storage challenges to the marketing and selling aspects, as well as the realities of running a family business with your own family commitments. It's really informative and practical and it was lovely to find out all about Rachel and Victoria's journey. So all the best for the summer season to the team at Teak Unique. Hope it's a good one and happy listening all. I'm lucky. Hi. This is it. This is Hi. the one. <laughs> um, thank you so much for persevering with the interview. And um, yeah, first of all, let how, the listeners can find out how you both know each other. Great. Well, we are first cousins. We're two days apart in age and we come from a very close family. So we were very good friends growing up and you know, lived together in London after university. Um, and we both worked in, well, I worked in sports uh, event management, in, in motorsport primarily, and Rachel. I worked in sports marketing. Um, yeah. So a bit of a coincidence that we both ended up. Yeah. yeah, neither of us studied sport, but yes, we both ended up in the world of sport, which, um, yeah, which we both really enjoyed for a long period of time. It was a lot of travel for both of us um but yeah and a lot of great experiences some bad experiences <laughs> but some really good ones too um but yeah we've always we'd always you know even through those years we'd always talk about working together at some point um and it took us a while to kind of work out what that looked like whether that would be in sport whether it be an agency whether it would be a product and the more we talked the more we sort of had an idea of the type of thing that we wanted uh, to do together. Um, but it was sort of quite conceptual at that point. Um, and then, yeah, and then to Unique came yeah. along. Yeah. Came yeah. along. And, yeah. and um, were you sort of, you're, so you were talking to each other about we want to set up something or we want to run something together. Was that because you both like each other or was there a, a, um, a motivation around oh, I want to set up something so we're in charge we're in control of our destiny what were sort of the motivators I think a bit of both there's a sort of we're yeah in running our own business in charge of our own destiny particularly as we got older um and I had children the travel with the work I was doing became obviously quite hard to do and not conducive to 
a mother of young children, so it became a bit more urgent, I suppose. And also working together, Rachel came from very much a skilled marketeer's background, and I was more of the administration operation side. So it, it complement our skills complemented each other quite a lot. But it was it was trying to come up with something. That, there was no particular skill or passion we had of what that would be. <laughs> We just did you started that we... before this at all. No, or did you, did you... no, no, it's just yeah, no. And we still weren't quite ready to to start something, but we it was always there that it, one day that it would happen. And I think we why we where we landed was we we want to take a business and we want to grow it. Um, I think that was where we realised our sort of skill set between us lay, um, and. Yeah, and then we and then we would sort of see various companies out there and think that's exactly the type of thing that we could do. You know, we could take a company like that and we could, you know, turn it into something like that. And uh, yeah, and then and then, well, Victoria was already a customer of Tiki Unique, and yeah, as were our parents who both bought from Tiki Unique. So we were aware of the brand, and actually, I, my husband and I went to buy. From Tea Unique, we'd had some wedding money, and we went to to the. It was owned by two ladies, one in Dorset, one in Sussex, and we went to the Sussex lady to buy some fern, garden furniture. And um, my husband said to me, "This is the type of business that would be really good. It's such a good product, but there's so much potential for growth." Um, and that was a sort of conversation we had. And then a year later, the Sussex owner contact me because she was also a neighbour and said I'm looking to retire do you know anyone interested and that's when I got on the phone to Rachel and said look there is this potential opportunity it's not quite the right time because I think I just started a new contract with work and Rachel just started a new job but we said we just can't miss this opportunity it's a really great product and yeah potential for growth so that's how that started (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. So you you you've got that intention, and then you're just the opportunity came because your eyes are yeah, open yeah. And that was yeah. So it was not it was luck. I mean, we had been sort of always looking, but then it was luck when it suddenly it came across came us. across it. The product yeah. that my husband had mentioned. Yeah, yeah, the people knowing that's what you're wanting to do, so they're looking for you as well, like your husband. Yes. Like you. Yeah, and and um, I think it's great to hear about people that. You know, because there, there's so many good businesses where people are just they're just getting older and they need to retire, and it's a really good yeah. way, a good way in. And I think, uh, I think, uh, like me, I think, oh, what shall I set up? But actually, yeah, this this model of taking on a going concern and seeing the potential to give yeah. it a bit more um, of a boost. So the owners were lovely, as in they wanted to sell straight away but then and we said it's, it's not quite right I think it's sort of January February so we came to agreement that I think we um we would take over in the October so we would basically shadow them for a whole season the whole sort of watching the container load of furniture arrive going to the sales events and we we just go along and have lunches and we just we shadow them really whilst doing our other, uh, you know, our, our jobs um, before we took over in October. So we had this whole shadowing for a, 
eight months. Yes, yeah, eight, eight months or so. And then even after we took over the business, we still could contact them to ask questions or. Um, so it was quite a slow handover, but it was. But it really helped yeah. with our confidence, given that you know we didn't have a design background, we didn't have a retail background. Mm. You know, there was a lot of learning we did before we took the company over, but it was such a huge advantage having this handover period mm. where we could learn on the job before really hitting the ground running for our first season. So, what in terms of sort of negotiating? you know why did the neighbor go to you over someone else and it it feels like really good for you in terms of you had this handover but yeah, how do you yeah, go I about think it was really came to me really to say i you know i was the right age bracket that she was looking yeah. for and you know i was a neighbor of the right age bracket in her village do you know anyone interested and also i had a a small um got a sort of small uh, hay barn that she thought would look great, be great for a little showroom. So she was just sort of putting the feelers out there, but sort of thought, yeah, maybe you could do that. So, yeah, she, I think she had only literally just started asking, but it just happened that I then went, actually, me, yeah. me, <laughs> let me speak to my cousin and, uh, and see what we can. When you sort of were given the rate, and then in terms of negotiating like a price and how you pay all of that for a business, what was that process like? We went, we had some legal advice. Um, we spoke to an accountant. We had lots, you know, we had a few friends that been through it, been or... through it or sort of, you know, understood how to value items. So we just, yeah, we had, I suppose there were quite some tough dis- discussions with the previous owners, but they were also, they were very fair discussions as well. They, I think they understood what the value of their business was worth. Um, and obviously they always wanted everyone always wants more don't they but yeah we came to good agreement and And we and we had a ceiling as well you know it wasn't a case of we could carry on you know negotiating indefinitely we certainly you know as one does we had a budget and you know we wouldn't be able to move ahead beyond that budget so you know, we had our parameters that we worked within. They had their parameters, and yeah, we came to an agreement. And yeah, it was it was a good feeling when we did. Yeah. And actually, one of the having shadowed them for that eight months, we started off the obviously they had a lot of stock, but by us saying we want to shadow you, that meant that they during that spring summer they could try and sell as much of that stock as possible, so we weren't having to buy so, you know, so much stock from them. Um, yeah which was so, good because I'm I'm thinking of like listeners listening here where you go right I've just bought a business yeah but that's <laughs> quite a big it's quite a big thing it's a big uh investment but yeah. I, but it's good yeah. that you could do the eight months sort of try before you buy <laughs> arrangement yeah with yeah. them and we, we had to pay the closet. we had committed to it yeah. at the beginning no, that's a good. That's a good yeah. point. Like you, you, you both yeah. saying we're serious here. Let's get to know each other, and then yeah, yeah. when you're feeling confident, you you part with your your massive yeah, investment yeah. or you know significant yeah. like buying a house. I guess it's yeah. like buying a house, buying yeah. Yeah. buying a business. Yeah. It really felt like that. It it was a very it felt like a very grown up thing yeah. to do, <laughs> um, and it was hard. It was really hard because you know neither of us had ever done it before and. 
you know, you, you don't want to do the wrong thing. You don't want to look stupid. But, uh, you know, the benefit was we also, you know, as well as having these friends and professionals that we spoke to, we had each other and we could sense check all of the sort of, well, the strategy and the way we were going to go into discussions with the previous owners. And that was obviously hugely helpful for, for both of us. Um, and certainly, I'm sure, easier than yeah, doing it on one's own. Um, you know, there's never been any point where I have thought I'd rather be in business on my own. Mm, you know, really? for me, being in business with a partner, you know, especially my cousin, it, you know, I feel so lucky and, uh, you know, it's the only way I, I want to be in business. <laughs> yeah, that's really uh, uh, quite an interesting observation because uh, most of the interviews are with a, pe- a couple, a, a, a partnership. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, um, I think it was very hard to do it by yourself. I, I, you know, the amount of times when when things don't go right, or you may have a a tricky customer or a problem with delivery, it's something. It's it's so important to have someone you can turn to that is in the business that understands the business, rather than just speaking to. Your partner. It's lonely otherwise. <laughs> it's lonely. Lonely. Yeah. Oh, you're, yeah. You bore your yeah. your family with the stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and coming to decisions together and things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. Yeah. I think it'd be very hard to do something on your own. And so you, but you're not living near each other. You, you kind of commute to each other's houses to to, to do business and and. Yeah. So we didn't. So actually, when we when we bought the business. <laughs> For financial reasons more than anything, I we, we decided that Rachel would continue with her corporate job and I would start running Teak Unique full time. Um, and then, but obviously, Rachel was doing a lot in the evenings and weekends, and, and as you do when you start a business. But so more, it was sort of developing it in those first few years. And actually, Rachel only joined sort of full time, quit her corporate job a year ago or just over a year yeah. ago now right. so now we've been able to sort of take it to the next the next level oh that's it that's amazing so you yeah. you bought did you buy it is it 2017 2018 that's when you um, yes yeah, so October 2016 we bought October it. 2016 so, yeah. was when you when you yeah. had the handover and yeah. then yeah yeah so a good period of time of you doing it with Rachel on the side of her day job then yeah yeah, yeah 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 good five years the, yeah yeah what was the how was that period and then what was the catalyst that said okay Rachel is it Rachel can Rachel's going to go mm-hmm. in full time I think that those years were relatively hard because I was on my especially on the beginning I was on my own and it wasn't until later that we used a marketing agency and had a full-time delivery driver um and it's someone in our warehouse. Um, you did the, you were, were you it, doing the deliveries before that? No, I didn't do deliveries. <laughs> we, just, we had a few. We had some so freelancers. Yeah, freelancers that came in. But um, it it was hard because the amount of people that come here. Well, you should do this for your business to develop it. You should do this, and it's I feel like I, I know all this. I know these ideas. They are all brilliant, but I am doing it on my own. I can't do yeah. it yet. And yeah, but, but we were still growing it. So they they didn't have a website. Um, the previous owner so we introduced well they had a website but it wasn't there's no e-commerce um so we 
we did do sort of small developments and nothing, but it, there was a sense of frustration that we weren't taking it to the next level. We 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 did grow it um, in those years, but now it's it's been brilliant having Rachel Ball that we can actually write and all these ideas we have had. We can actually put into action, put into action, it, and that's been great. Um, yeah. So I think you know the business when we bought it you know it was a it was a fantastic product and they had a wonderful base of customers so you know we victoria spent those first few years really nurturing those customers we implemented e-commerce into the website sort of as a first stop because you know we felt that that was going to be um a real growth opportunity which it was um but i think me coming into the business has probably coincided with us wanting to sort of really broaden our scope um, and develop new customer bases, both, you know, on the consumer side and on the trade side. Um, So, yeah, and it's something in an ideal world we would have loved to have done earlier. But as Victoria said, she was so busy doing everything. (laughs) It's all she could do to kind of, um, you know, keep it going and make sure that customers had the information they wanted and they were getting their deliveries when we said they were going to get them. Um, so, yeah, how she did it single-handed, I don't know. But, um, but yes, it, we are, you know, we, we now have the opportunity for faster growth because there are two of us. And can you lift the lid a little bit on the actual business? So the supplier side, the, the what you sell, what are the some things like the deliveries, just some of those things you you know you you'd look at your website and just assume or not even think about and you have to think well you actually have to do all of this you have to go to these shows and you have to market this way could you give me give us a little bit of insight into teak unique unique points sure sure why don't you start with the operational side yeah i can okay yeah so we it's quite a cyclical business in terms of from september onwards we are we go and visit our factories in Indonesia um, and it is all the products are made to our own specifications. We're not just going there and selecting, oh, this is what we want, this is what we want from, wow. from products so here we have. It's each year. Yeah. So we go there and we have our own designs. You both, you both go there, you? Yeah. 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 Every What's year we go there. It's... Well, currently it takes about three days to get there. <laughs> And two days to get back because uh, the flight schedules changed post COVID. Um, but yeah, it's wow. it's it's a long trip out there um, for sure. But yeah. it's absolutely vital. It's an essential yeah. part of our year to um, well for so many reasons to grow the relationships to uh, potentially find new partners to check up on you know quality control yeah, quality control maybe a check they may do a few prototypes of any design tweaks we've asked them to make that we need to it's, it's sign off. just better to sign off looking at them rather than um you know through images they're sending um so it is vital and the first year we went we went to the plantations we went to the wood auctions where they you know, sell the different wood and there's and we and also just learned a lot about teak so there's a, a governing body that controls the legal the sustainable the legal growth of teak in indonesia and we went and met them just to understand the whole industry and how 
how it all works. And there's there are lots of different qualities of teak. And we only use the, the grade A, the top quality of teak. Um, we also kiln dry our teak, which is about a third of the production costs. But again, that improves the quality and the strength of the teak. So we're, we are only looking at the top end of the market as opposed to the mass produced teak. Right. Um, yeah. So there's, yeah. So this time of year, there's a lot of back and forth with our factories as we are doing all productions we have we order everything now so we have to speculate what we think people are gonna want in spring summer so it's it's quite um a risk to to do that um but so we we do that and then there's all the shipping you then get shipped from indonesia which at the moment again is another potential big issue because all the container ships are avoiding the Suez canal and the red sea so it's increased costs and and also the time it takes to get to us. And we've been through these kind of challenges before, you know, with COVID, you know, containers were in the wrong places around the world. And then there was the large container ship that was stuck in the Suez Canal that um, affected us as well. So, you know, it's, it, I suppose that was one element maybe we hadn't sort of considered you know, as being a challenge when we took on the business, but that's certainly something that um, has been a challenge and that, frankly, you know, we have no control over these things that happen in terms of uh, world affairs. Um, so we you know, have to manage as best we can around things like this that are happening. Um, yeah, so that's, so this time of year, we're just very much focusing on getting, you know, the product make sure we're getting the product we need in place before spring summer so 80 percent of our orders are between march and june right right so, so the turnover is, selling season yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um and we did have someone in our warehouse did you say um you design or everything's made to your spec specification yes to yeah. with your supplier so do you have to yeah. come up with the design and the the, the furniture design which is you get a so this is where design. our predecessors were it was they were they had an amazing eye for quality and for design and that's one thing we inherited from them was these yes these fantastically designed furniture so again you're using they're using the top best you know the best teak available plus the joinery they use it's, and things like our tables are thicker than standard tabletops and our neck the legs on benches are thicker so everything's stronger and, and so, yeah. so they they that was already there for us um, but we have since introduced new designs really from what we have seen on the market trying to make things a bit more contemporary there's quite a lot of classic teak design out there and we work with our partners in indonesia so designers in indonesia in terms of sort of you know the technical side it's a it's a combined effort in terms of sort of the look and the feel of things that we want and then you know they let us know if that is possible or not yeah. or how to improve the design or how to make it look better or be stronger uh, so it's yeah it's very much a team effort with our you know with our team over in Indonesia which is why these trips to Indonesia are so important because you know, we have to have a very close working relationship with them 
you know, they need to understand us and what we stand for. We need to understand them and how they work. And um, so, yeah, these trips to Indonesia are are vital um, yeah. for so many reasons. Yeah, and we have had one. So there was one factory because we we have three different factories that we use, and um, one just wasn't the quality wasn't what we wanted and he we we tried him for a few years and we couldn't I don't think we could get through to him about he was very much mass produced that's what his focus was with other clients and we um yeah so we parted ways with him we just what he wasn't understanding what we wanted for our brand and for our customers so yeah do you have to order a certain amount and then as you said speculate and then hopefully you sell that amount in the season and you don't have any stock exactly. left but you've so um, we, what happens we if you've got try to have some stock left because we do sell during the winter months but yeah the ideal is to you know maybe have 20 percent of our stock left by the end i would say and is it stored um, somewhere the stock so you have to push yeah, it so over to have- the uk and store it okay and then that yeah, that's obviously one of the negatives it's you know it is a it's all bulky items so we do need space big a big warehouse compared to if you're you've got you know, t-shirts. t-shirts or something yeah, so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the investment in warehousing is significant is significant that's one of our biggest um fixed costs yeah yeah and, is and that so that's base... where we it's where we differ from a lot of furniture companies um you know and i guess one of our usps when people order furniture we want to be able to deliver it within two weeks rather than you know say it's an eight-week lead time um so it's you know it is really important for us to carry stock um and yeah and that speculation is something that we sort of you know we get better at each year but inevitably there is always an outlier something that for some reason is incredibly popular that year that we couldn't have anticipated Mm. or something that you know has been incredibly popular in the past that you know for some reason goes slowly that year that you've got (laughs) loads in the warehouse so yeah but you know art and science yeah and we have we have a cool range and weakness we have years of um you knowing how what are the most popular products that remain the most popular products that are selling well so yeah, there's always the odd thing where, as Rachel said, sometimes your oval tables will sell really well one year. So oh, we must get more oval tables. And then rectangular becomes a bit popular. So it's, um, but generally, we, generally we get it right. Yeah. It's only the odd, yeah, the odd product that we think, oh, we wish we'd ordered more of or we've now got too much of it. But it, then it can just be in our warehouse for the following year. It's not going to deteriorate in our warehouse. Yeah, that's the It's not, that's not a big sell-off at the end. Um, we, you know, we can hold its value and it can yeah. stay in our warehouse to the following year. And because the core range is, you know, it's the same from year to year, it, it, you know, we don't have those challenges of having to sell everything off that's left over by the end of the year and starting again the following year. So that, that again, is a real advantage mm-hmm. for us. Whilst we're always introducing new products, you know, the the more traditional bits and pieces are you know popular year after year after year and so we don't we don't change our core range you've got storage co- you've got so many moving parts which is every business as well it's very hard to to sort of say okay well we've ordered this many but some are going to stay in storage and 
this one costs this much and this one costs this much and but we've got this to do is it do you find it hard every month and every year to sort of balance the books and pricing in general how how you price um not really again we were given some advice on how our predecessors priced the furniture and we, we but we you know, we it is such a cyclical business and it's it's pretty much the same every year that we, we know what the costs are we and yeah. you know if we've done well we go actually let's we can put a little bit more to marketing than we yeah. did the previous year so um yeah I, I think it means sort of, the costs are very similar every year so it, it is fairly easy to calculate apart from the shipping costs apart from the shipping costs suddenly going up so during covid the shipping costs a um 40 foot container used to be two thousand us dollars in covid it went up to 12 14 000 for a container so that's a suddenly significant cost that has to be incorporated into your um your retail costs into your cost prices and that was again something took us unaware i suppose but, um but we're aware of it this yeah, time for with shipping costs going up this time we know that what we need to do yeah what we need to do for our retail prices yeah and I guess it, that's the the other benefit of taking on like a going concern there's that base of kind of you've got the starting point of you're only improving and even if you're just mm. iteratively improving you're improving you don't need to suddenly yeah. create a whole new forecast and P&L because you've already got that base of a going yeah. into concern it just seems like a very good way of getting in, into business by trying to find a business yeah. that's already there so yeah on, yes, on the sort just... of sales and marketing side what tell tell me a bit about that in terms of the the uh um what you do there well I suppose that's in a bit of a cycle as well in that which obviously mirrors our um our selling cycle but we will spend the sort of the winter months uh planning how we are going to uh, deliver campaigns for the three most important months of the year because you know because it's a relatively short peak season we we like to focus the majority of our sort of marketing spend around that um we also focus on trade sales in the winter um you know sales that might have a longer lead time uh, large orders uh that you know need specific um well there might be bespoke furniture um ordered or it might be a huge volume of you know one particular piece of furniture that we carry but obviously with those larger orders um you know we might need additional containers so that's something that we try to do in the winter months so that you know everything is in place by spring and then yeah come new year this time of year we are i guess we're really sort of finalizing our marketing materials, our social media plans, our event plan. Um, as we mentioned, we do go to some events and there have been some years that we've you know, been at loads of events and hosted loads of events um, ourselves. There have been some years, for example, the COVID years when we have not done any events whatsoever and everything's been online. So we try to, you know, we try to learn from everything that we do um and you know see what works for us um so every year it's different you know our marketing plan it does it varies from year to year based on what we have learned from the year before as to what works and 
what doesn't work so well. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely try to get out there to to a certain number of events because we find it's a really good way to build our brand. Um, but equally, you know, we want to invest on the digital side as well because we know that's how we're going to reach the volume of people that we want to reach. Um, but of course, you know, we, we have a budget and Victoria keeps me on a very tight budget. Um, so we do have to be, we have to be really creative with what we do with it. Um, partnerships, we, we try and, you know, work with um, brands where, you know, we do a lot of brand partnerships, which are sort of low investment uh, in terms of financials. But, um, you know, we can both benefit from each other's audiences. Yeah. Um, What's the sort of like a standout marketing story where you kind of did something in it and it worked and you were like, yes, cool. (laughs) Have you got any specific one Um, or any events where you've just got someone coming up and saying, I'll have four of those, please, or (laughs) where you've had a really sort of thrilling sale? Um, Yeah, we've had a few thrilling sales in our time and there is no feeling like it I can assure you it's really um yeah it's so satisfying when the culmination of a lot of hard work you know is as is a sale um but yes we I mean we were at an event recently um where the aim was to yeah get our brand out there and to start developing some relationships with key people in the landscaping and gardening business um and one person we spoke to sort of, you know, responded to us straight away and said, what wonderful timing, uh, you know, couldn't couldn't have met you at a better time. I've got this project going on. And do you think you could help us? And we said yes. And yeah, it was a, it was a great run into Christmas. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's just hard work and it's plugging away at new relationships and perhaps feeling a little uncomfortable about putting yourself out there. Um, you know, neither of us are people who uh, really like to sort of shout about ourselves and what we're doing, but you need to if you've got your own business. Um, it needs to become part of your own identity um, mm-hmm. and you are your brand. So actually you do need to have a little bit of a shift in in your mindset, I think, and and you need to see every opportunity in your life as an opportunity for your business um and uh, yeah and 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 it pays off um you know yeah yeah I think a lot of the marketing also has to come down to educating customers there's there's a lot of people out there that know about teak and the different variations of teak and what they want but the majority if they see us online you know it, it it looks like a lovely website but they then price compare to some, some mass-produced cheaper teak and don't understand quite why. So our main successes come from people seeing the product as soon as they... So I've got a very small... Again, so the, the previous owner who had spotted my little um, sort of hay barn, it, it became a, a showroom. Um, and yeah, it's nothing overly impressive to look at, but... If people go there and they sit on the furniture and they see the furniture, they can see the quality of it. We always sell, as in it. Mm-hmm. And I think one, it's them seeing the product, but also it comes back to it being the brand about you. I'm there being not sort of sales pitchy. I'm 
just being sort of there to answer questions, there to answer questions and sort of friendly. And they quite like that they're not buying from a big corporate business. They like that they're well, welcoming welcoming them into your home, aren't you? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah they like, way. I was like, oh, maybe not going to like that it's not some big smart showroom, but actually, majority like that it's a family business, and they like that they've. Yeah, being able to sit and feel all that. I think they feel also that they they're getting value. Um, yeah. You know, they can see that our overheads are not extensive, and I think you know more and more people want to feel like they're getting value. And yes, we you know our furniture is priced at the higher end of the market, but that is because of the quality, not because we've got fancy showrooms all around the country and you know millions of staff. Um, so yeah so I think that is a selling point and as Victoria said once people make that decision to come to the show barn you know it's that that is the moment where we just let furniture do the talking um yeah and and it does and yeah it's uh it is our it's our best our furniture is our is our best sales tool you know people we often get people who buy without coming you know without seeing it but they've seen it at a friend's house and they can see the quality and um all of our furniture carries a little uh plaque on it so you know word of mouth is a huge um is a huge yeah. tool for us yeah. um it's also a ha- it's sort of happy selling the amount of times people have written to us and said you know thank you so much for getting the table and chairs for some time we had a great family event outside in the garden or they'll send pictures of their kids on the sun lounges and it's it's always it's always for sort of fun happy yeah. things that people are you know, furnishing their garden for it's always and, um, that's a really good point in terms yeah, of, just really of emails business. from customers yeah yeah, yeah. like I, I somebody else I spoke to about uh, an interviewed as a stained glass window um business and he said it's a happy per usually a happy purchase you're improving your mm-hmm. house rather than selling plumbing where something's gone wrong or (laughs) insurance or one of those stress do you think that makes a difference to the type of of business you're running yeah Yeah. Yeah. absolutely I think it really does to know that it's going it's people are buying it for a reason for whether it's a sort of family moment or you they they want a a little bench under a quiet spot in their garden that they're going to read at it's all it's all yeah, so it's happy purchases. And, and knowing it's going to be there for a long time yeah. as well. You know, our furniture is going to be part of this family's life for 20 years plus. It's, you know, you feel rather privileged to be part of it. Um, but yeah, from and from a day-to-day perspective, picking up the phone to customers who are, you know, considering a purchase like this for their garden, it's um, it's it's lovely. It's It's really nice to be speaking to people who are you know who are considering our furniture we are really lucky and as you say you know we're not selling you know something to fix a leak it's not a forced purchase it is you know it is a high investment yeah it's a considered investment but it's an investment that if you extrapolate over the next 20 years you know it's it, it you know because that's how long typically our furniture you know would last it's it's great value for money, um, but of course, at the time, it is it is an investment. And and you mentioned about you know where your customers are, but um, 
there's I guess there's a limit to the number of repeat purchases people can make because once they've bought you it, would have thought yeah. I think what what we say is about fifty percent of our orders are from repeat customers because they are but they may not as be you know, the higher value ones once they've bought their table and chairs they might go I need now need a a bench or I need coffee table coffee table I'm now going to you know, buy a side table for the barbecue or lounges because I've done a pool or I'm going to buy a wedding present for my niece or so there's yeah it's it's, so it's, it's very it pays yeah pays just yeah, yeah it pays off there is you know you've got to keep nurturing the customers we have because they and a lot do. of them uh, you know it, then the next generation will have grown up with teeny neat furniture in their garden mm. and when they buy their house with a garden um you know they will come to us for teak furniture so it, it is really surprised you know I think it very much surprised us at the beginning but it's um we get a lot of repeat business and whether it's for you know yeah as Vic said you know adding to their own collection or it's buying for other family members or you know it's the family of those people it's very much um yeah it's lots of names and faces that we recognize year after year after year Great. And and I'm just going back to two two points I just thought about was the the fact that you bought from them anyway was a good sign that you know you 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 believed in the business and actually there's legs to develop it because you bought from it which I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. if anyone else is thinking about buying look around what you're buying yourself is is maybe like yeah. a tip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also just Rachel you're when you um decided to join full time was that because you were kind of ready that the business was sustaining and enough to take you on full time. Like I, I think yeah. just in terms of, can you, are you now surviving and thriving on the, the money that you that's coming in from the business that you can kind of sustain both of your yeah. salaries? Is that how, how it went? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I think for anybody considering going into their own business you know it is a very real consideration that financial consideration and if you're the main breadwinner or you know you know we are not in this business as a hobby we are both you know equal breadwinners in our families uh and you know and there is nothing like that pressure month to month to bring home your own salary um but yes I think to answer your question about what prompted me to make that move um it was that yes, the business was in a position where it was going to be able to sustain both of us. Um, you know, whilst obviously me needing to contribute hugely to the growth of the business in order for that to continue, um, and also it was yeah, it was the right moment for me to leave my corporate job. Um, I had a child as well at that point and was really you know valuing the flexibility um that my own business could offer me um more at that point than I ever had before um so yeah it really it it felt absolutely like the right time to make that leap across and you know and of course we do have that flexibility it's you know to a certain degree but at the same time you know our customers dictate you know when we need to be available um well, yeah. within reason 
Um, but obviously, you know, we have incredibly busy times of our year where, uh, you know, I'm much less available to my family than I yeah. was. But then equally, you know, the rest of the year, we are slightly more in charge of when, you know, when we can yeah. do our work and going to a school yeah. play. Or, yeah, exactly. As or in, especially you know, Christmas, New Year, it's, you know, we're not busy with customer sales. Customer sales so we can go, right, we are going to focus on our families. Yeah, anything that comes in, we can react to. But we're not going to proactively do, yeah. do work. Because, yeah, the summer, you know, we're not that's, going to take that's good. May yeah. half term off. Can, yeah. I can see definitely, yeah, um, see that it's about designing your life, isn't it? Your life and yeah. and work, yeah. Yeah, what, yeah so what you can be flexible, but you, yeah. sorry, yeah, <laughs> it, no, it's so you can be flexible. It, it is your own business. Yeah, it is your own business, so you end up also working yeah. very, very hard on it into the evenings and and that type of thing. So. You know, flexibility, flexibility is all your, your missus. It's a blessing yeah. and a curse. Blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah. I think, had, um, I think the other reason Rachel, it was time for Rachel to join, was I was also getting quite. We we, we need to take it. You know, it has grown, but we now need to take it to the next level if we're going to do anything with this yeah. business. So that was important, and we did have a conversation of yes, we can sustain us both if Rachel brings in you know, extra customers. Um, but if it doesn't work, then we'll have to, you know, we would have, have to have a think and Rachel would have to go and get another job again. But, you know, so far it's, <laughs> it, it's worked and Rachel's yeah. brought in more turnover and, and brought in some brilliant marketing campaigns that I could have never have done. Yeah, um, but that you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, we, as you know, Vic had done a great job of managing the company, you know, in all of that time that I was not in it. But actually, yeah, we... We were at a sort of fish or cut bait moment where, you know, if by just staying where we were, we were, you know, we were going to lose out to the competition. And actually, you know, yeah, two heads better than one. And this is this is our moment um, to really push it forward. And, you know, obviously the the sort of the broader context of the economy, et cetera, is is tough. But, you know, everybody's dealing with that. and we you know this is our opportunity for for growth and it's really exciting and I think both of us have been you know really energized and motivated and we force each other to think in different ways and more creative ways and you know we have a really healthy tension between us in terms of sort of what we think is the best way forward and you know we have a lot of discussions and it's it's great it's you know it's challenging and it's rewarding and it's um yeah and and I think we're sort of we're we're poised hopefully for (laughs) (laughs) this new season yeah yeah poised for the new season and beyond and yeah things crossed everything goes to plan wonderful and so are you often asked the parting question which you've kind of answered is has it all been worth it the, the decision and where you are now has it all been worth it yeah without a shadow of a doubt yeah it's it's definitely worth it I think you know as I'm sure you've had the answer from any new business owner running your own business there's a lot of negatives in terms of it taking over your consuming your whole time and that becomes your priority amongst anything else but that aside I think the positives far away it I think it's been brilliant yeah and I think you have to you know you have to be disciplined Mm. 
Um, and that's where also having a partner is really helpful because you can hold each other accountable to, you know, what it is you need to be doing. And more often than not, it's, you know, me telling her to get off the computer and not work this afternoon because it was in her diary that she was not working that afternoon. Um, so, you know, you have to be disciplined. You've got to hold yourself and others to account. Um, and I think, you know, to your point, you raised it earlier. We were in our late thirties when we took the plunge. And I think, you know, you are naturally more cautious the older you get, but I think I would encourage well, anybody that, you know, is thinking about it, that it is never too late. And, you know, I think I, I see a lot of my contemporaries of my age who are feeling a bit sort of stale and stuck and, you know, like they've missed the chance to sort of do something else. And, you know, it 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 does take a little bit of um, faith that it's going to work out, but... I don't, you know, I think it's something that if you're thinking about doing it's, you know, you've, you've got to take that leap because, you know, you learn if nothing else. And, you know, being outside your comfort zone is also something that is, I think, important for growth. Um, and, yeah, you, you carry that wisdom and that experience from, you know, previous jobs that you've done. Um, so I think, yes, I think I would certainly say it's never too late. And, um, whilst it felt scary for me doing it after working, you know, twenty years in a corporate company, it's it's a new lease of life and it's a new challenge, and um, hopefully it will bring new rewards as well. Brilliant! Thank you so much for sharing your story, Rachel and Victoria, and uh, I look forward to seeing how you te- unique progresses and yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you. sharing your advice as well. <laughs> Oh, pleasure. It's been really fun to talk to you. Thank you.